Yo, what day is it today? The 1st of April. Oh, does that mean anything? Ah, I suppose we've made it through another Ides of March, no? <laughs> Silence the violence and shun the guns, you know what I'm saying? Hello everyone! Welcome to the lounge once again, or for the first time, allow me to introduce myself. If so, I am the host, DJ MC and Selector Mortimer Main. You can call me Morty, you can call me Magic, just don't call me a lie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was probably just mixed up. <laughs> okay, big day, beautiful day here. Wow, endless blue sky, you know, things are right in the forest. 240 feet up in the canopy in the treehouse lounge where we're going through the record collection one piece of wax at a time and i am picking the choicest one or two tracks off that record and we are talking about it but before we get to the music let's get to the movie we watched this morning that we put on, you know, while the staff is setting up and people are starting to make their way into the lounge area near the stage. <laughs> oh yeah, quick note, the band is not here today because I lost a bet that I'm not gonna talk about, but you know what, I'm gonna be DJing instead. <laughs> I bet you they're gonna show up later all like, okay, like we're ready to go now, Morty. And I'm gonna be like, great guys, you know? Glad, uh, you know, we put our money where our mouth was, you know what I'm saying? Basically, if I won, they would have done an interview on the show. But uh, I think these guys just think they're too cool, you know what I'm saying, to be on the podcast. <laughs> Whatever, man. Terry, specifically. Worst influence, in my opinion. <laughs> you can tell him I said that. Okay, anyways, the movie. Jeez. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a little distracted today. Cool World, 1992, starring Brad Pitt, Kim Basinger, Gabrielle Byrne. It's like, picture <laughs> Roger Rabbit meets Blade Runner, but not that good. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't finish watching it. I kind of lost interest. I just couldn't pay attention. I don't know if there was too much going on. Maybe it was too early in the morning. Maybe I was too tired, like, engaged in that morning autopilot. I think maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe I'll see what happens at the end. But, uh... As of now, I cannot recommend 1992's Cruel World, even if you're a big B-Pit fan. Anyways, okay, let's talk about the music, because we got a big day today, man. It's one of my favorite bands. Yeah, baby, you, you, I guess you already know. It's The Cure. It's The Cure. It's part one of two, because I got two Cure records, but I only got the early stuff on wax, okay? So sometimes that happens when, during my regular non-vinyl music life i also acquired a digital collection you know starting with cds so a lot of the cures later stuff i i had the cds or you know the downloads access to the files but i did go out of my way to buy some of their early albums too two of their early albums okay so i'll be talking about that let's talk about the cure in general total legends fronted and led by the only continuous member robert smith so it's basically his band the tracks we're going to be listening to today are from their first album called three imaginary boys these guys in just 20 years okay their career has been going on for 43 years now they're still doing their thing i think robert smith is definitely still alive so they started with 
they went through like four genres. It, it, it was crazy in 20 years. They started with punk, or they started with post-punk, if you don't want to call the what what we're gonna be hearing today punk. We'll talk about that later. Then it was like new wave. Post-punk and new wave were kind of the same thing. This kind of described the same sound as a genre. And then transitioning to goth, which was another new emerging genre that The Cure helped kind of distill. And then moving from, you know, goth, which if you don't know much about goth, I, I remember it by the five Ds, okay? Dark, despair, depression, Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> From goth and the 5Ds to pop and happy songs, lullaby, love songs. Crazy. Their transition is crazy. And the best part is the music is all good. The music stayed consistently good. These guys came out with hit after hit after hit after hit. No kidding. I'm telling you, you gotta look into them. If you don't know, okay? And so uh, hopefully after today you're gonna know a little bit more, but we're gonna be starting with the roots of The Cure. Starting with a conversation about their very first single. The very first single they ever came out with. As a band, after forming in 1978 in Crawley, West Sussex, England, about 50 kilometers south of London, sounds like a nice place. Their first single ever was called Killing an Arab. Killing an Arab. The song is called Killing an Arab. How did that make you feel? Boil it down. Good or bad? What did that song title make you feel? Good or bad? Black, white, or gray? Okay, hold on to that. Hold on to that color or hold on to that feeling. Good, bad, or neutral. Okay, now let's talk about what actually happened. So this song was the band, like I said, the band's first single. It came out even before the album, Three Imaginary Boys, came out. And yeah, was actually not on this album. Now, there was controversy about the song. According to Robert Smith, the song title and the lyrics, which are out there and you can go read, and are very faithful to uh, a scene in the book, apparently, as my research indicates, even though I haven't read the book, okay? The book is The Stranger, written by existentialist philosopher Albert Camus. In this book, a man kills a man and is sentenced to death for the murder. Robert Smith said, this song was a short, poetic attempt at condensing my impression of key elements in the 1942 novel. As far as I understand, the murder took place over an argument, and the victim just happened to be described by, I, I suppose, where he was from. The Arabian Peninsula, somewhere in there, that gigantic swath of land. When the first, The Cure's first US release came out, which was a rejig of Three Imaginary Boys, entitled with different art uh, titled Boys Don't Cry. Killing an Arab was on that record. It was not on the record released in the UK. All of a sudden in the US, it was like, this is racist. This is hateful. The album, there was so much controversy that the record company and the band compromised by putting like a little sticker label on the album being like, I don't know, don't, don't do hate speech or whatever, like it's dumb. 
because it was almost gonna be either that or the album was gonna be pulled. So this is 1979. The Islamic Revolution happened in Iran, okay, Tehran. The American workers at the embassy were held hostage. It was a student uprising and it overthrew the, I guess, US-friendly government, the Shah of Iran. That might have had something to do with it for the first time. And okay, allow me to opine once again, for people who maybe don't know much about geography or religion, someone from Iran might be the same as someone from the Arabian Peninsula, okay? So there was a lot of political tension going on in the world at this time, and it was kind of like America against Iran. So killing an Arab was controversial, and apparently during the September 11th attacks and the first Gulf War, the song was used for racist purposes in, in the States and, and wherever, I guess elsewhere. But it's all based on this one part where two men uh, are in an argument on a beach and one kills the other. So, going back to my question. Someone is dead. It, it's been a murder. Is that good or bad? This is what I asked you. If it is a good thing, killing an Arab, then the Arab must have been bad. If it is a bad thing, killing an Arab, then the Arab must have been good. So if you ask someone, what does killing an Arab make you think about? Is it racist or not? And they say yes. Then I think their first perception of the song is that killing an Arab is good. <laughs> but for the people who say they hear that name of that song, not even hearing the song, okay, just the title of the song, that was offensive enough, Killing an Arab. If you hear that phrase, that song named Kill Killing an Arab, and you think, oh, that's bad. A man, a person, someone is dead. You feel remorse. That person who thinks killing an Arab is bad, there is no racist connotation there for that person. So please think about that. It is, the racism is only in the mind of the accuser, for they must not have felt remorse for the dead Arab. In 2005, uh, th this band had kind of been performing on and off, there's kind of a revolving door of members for various reasons. The song, which they hadn't performed in a long time because it was still controversial, was renamed Kissing an Arab. And then again, a year later, in 2006, it was renamed Killing Another. So think about that, the original message of the novel and of Robert Smith drawing attention to it, killing another. What if the title was killing a baby? You would think that's bad. What if the title was killing a diabolical evil person? You would probably think that's good, that person probably deserves to die. I don't know, you tell me though, it's your brain. Okay, enough of that, holy crow. Here's my personal journey with the music. I think the first time it probably registered to me that The Cure wrote cool songs was when I heard a cover of their, their song Close To You by the Get Up Kids, which was on a CD I think called Pop Goes Punk, which I had heard in high school. I liked that song. A couple years later, I became more familiar with their more popular stuff on the radio like Friday I'm in Love and Boys Don't Cry songs like that and I remember talking to uh, my friend Elliot about those songs in like 2001 
because I was more comfortable with talking to him about liking The Cure because I think a lot of my high school friends at the time would have been like, The Cure, if you like them, you're gay, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and at that time, like, I cared if somebody, uh, you know, thought about, <laughs> thought that about me. And so it wasn't until the Carol records came into my life that included the soundtrack, a double LP soundtrack to a movie called Times Square. I'm gonna post this imagery on the Instagram page because you have to check out the track list on this movie. I went back and watched this movie, um, I think it's from 1980. The movie's not great, but it's a must see if you like the songs on the soundtrack. I remember coming home one night, messed up, graduated university, I was working at the record store, living in my mom's basement, thinking like, oh, like life's going pretty great so far. Not. I put the headphones on. I put on the soundtrack to Times Square, which I had received in the Carol collection. And when this next song came on, and I found out that it was The Cure, and they made music like this too, it blew my mind. Here we go. This is Grinding Halt. This is either punk, post-punk, new wave, call it what you want. This is a great song. Here we go.
love that song. That one gets me going. Grinding Halt, man. That's a punk rock tune to me. Yeah, so this record that I have is not an original. It's actually the 2004 re-release. The, the very first, the original, Three Imaginary Boys, like uh, I alluded to, the record company picked all the songs that were going to go on it and even the artwork, so the band had no say. That was the last time Robert Smith ever uh, let a record company play him like that when it came, as far as it came to a creative control of the artwork and the songs included and the song list. He was like, I ain't playing that shit, you're not gonna play me like that, you know, play me once, you know what I'm saying, fool me once. But then uh, they did have like a multi-record deal later on that took a long time to finish off that contract. So I guess they did fool him more than once, but not with the not with the actual uh, art direction, as it were. Last thing I'm gonna say is, yeah, I saw this band live in 2013 in Montreal at Oshiega with three of my best friends, Scott, Paul, and Elliot. Teabag, Chains, and Liat. Remember that? Good times, eh, boys? Alright. We're gonna go out on a less punky song called Fire in Cairo as we say goodbye to The Cure today, but we will be back with them again for real. I guarantee you that, okay? So, yes. <laughs> I wonder how many people are like, so we didn't even listen to fucking Killing an Arab? No, because it's not on this record. And you know what? When we listen to the US reissue that has it, which I also own, one of my favorite records, I'm not even gonna play that song. Because you know what? That song's not even that good. So all this hoopla, man, nonsense, but interesting, interesting to say the least, I think, I hope, as we learn today, as we, uh, explore our own existential philosophies. <laughs> this can be another one of those songs, man. Fire and Cairo, you feel it or you don't, but I bet you you're gonna feel it, okay? So I'm gonna leave you with this tune. I'm gonna see you tomorrow. Bring it back here one time for more of this good stuff. A question to think about even after you've listened to the song. Have you ever had a song with someone? Shared a song with a special someone? I hope you have. All right, this is Morgan Remain signing off, leaving you with some more 1979 Cure. Each one, teach one, baby. Take care of each other out there. I will see you tomorrow. Peace, peace, peace. Enjoy. Peace. Whistle my name